Welcome to The Meaning of the Movie, the podcast about what matters most when it comes to the film. You're about to hear a spoiler-filled discussion about the themes, the characters, and why this film is worth watching and thinking more deeply about. I'm joined today by my co-host, Andrew Harmon. Andrew, welcome back to the show, man. What's up? I am so glad to be back. Uh, I went on a little hiatus. I kind of vanished from the podcast there for a hi- uh, hot second. We missed you. We had some great shows. We had some okay shows. I'm not going to let you know which was which, but you know, we had some fun when you were gone, but I got to be honest, uh, there's nothing quite like having you back. Um Oh, well, that is heartwarming, to say the least. Um, I was a little bummed when I looked at, at the schedule and realized uh, one of my first weeks off, you're doing The Empire Strikes Back. I was like, oh, man, that's way to way to get me to come back quick you, when you start doing the great movies. I know. I was just like, uh, OK, I'm going to put it on the list and talk about it. Um, we could do an Empire Strikes Back rerun <laughs> like we like we could run it back <laughs> and you and I could just talk about it because I love that movie so much that I could do it. But I could do every other you know those like stunt podcasts where they do like they talk about a movie every minute. They're like, "Hey, we're going to talk about minute thirty-five of Empire Strikes Back and do a whole episode <laughs> about it." I could do that. That that is um, tra- tragically tedious. I I hope this podcast never becomes <laughs> that. <laughs> it won't. You uh, you know, if you haven't listened to the Empire Strikes Back episode, it was a lot of fun. We also talked about Succession, which is going into its. A fourth season, and we're ta- we've talked about different movies, but I um wanted to talk today about nope, nope. because um I th- it's interesting. We did this with the menu as well, but right now, if you Google the meaning of the movie and then the next movie that comes up, the very first search is nope, which means mo- people so many people have questions about this movie, and I was just curious to talk about it. And normally, when we talk about a movie, it's like. The meaning of the movie, period. Today, it's going to be the meaning of the movie. Like, it's a little bit, like, more questionable because normally I feel like I come out hot. I know what this movie's about. I know what it's trying to say. I've watched this movie twice preparing for this episode, and I felt more confused, actually, the second time. Like, each time I watch it, I get a little bit more confused. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious for you, like, does this movie work? Does it not work? Why or why not? Where you land on with this? I'm going to say I don't think this movie really works. I was real excited to see it when uh, I saw it. I saw it in theaters back when it when it came out. Um, I'm a big fan of Get Out, as a lot of people are. Um, I thought Us was really interesting. Um, obviously, it's not the masterpiece that Get Out was, but it certainly felt like, oh, this is still a really interesting film. So I was really sort of on the Jordan Peele train. Um, and I walked out of Nope!, uh, being perfectly willing to never talk about it again. <laughs> so the fact that we're sitting here talking about it almost a year later, uh, I'm like, oh, I didn't picture this would ever happen to me. Yeah, I, um, man, I really watched this movie and thought it's got everything going for it. Like, I think the performances are really strong, uh, especially Daniel Kalea, who I'll talk about later, but I think he's phenomenal in this. Uh, he's also in... Get Out, um, I think the cinematography is breathtaking. Like, I love how this movie's shot. It's very Spielberg-y meets, I don't even know what else to, you know, Jordan Peele. Like, he's got his own vocal thing, and I think there's a strong vision. Like, the colors and the lights and the Western landscape. Like, this movie is so fun to watch, and frame by frame, I think it's one of the best shot movies of last year. Um... Acting's great. I think the writing is really smart. Like, the dialogue's fun. 
The characters are well drawn. Um, and then it just kind of like all falls apart. And I have to say, like, I watch a lot of sports as well as like watching a lot of movies. And here's something that happens with sports is you have these amazing teams where everyone comes together. You have like all the great players. They're having this awesome run, like deep into the playoffs. And then they have one game where everything just kind of like falls apart. And the team is kind of like shameful and like forgotten. (laughs) And I feel like Nope is like the movie version of that. Like this should have been a championship team. This should have been a great film. And it's kind of a mess and forgettable. And I'm I'm just so curious of why. Yeah. Um. My hope with this film is that this is not, um, is that this is not the herald of Jordan Peele becoming the next M Night Shyamalan, because yeah. that is a little bit where I feel like he's at at the moment, which is first film out of the gate is a horror masterpiece, right? Like Get Out and The yeah. Sixth Sense are like, you know. They're perfect. They're just absolutely great, rookie, out of the gate, perfect movies. They win Oscars, yes. great movies. And then the follow-ups to both of those would be M. Night has um, Unbreakable, and then Jordan Peele has Us, which are both very well-received movies. Not as good as the first. People are like, it's real good. It was like, this guy's a smart filmmaker, love what he's doing, love to see what he does next. And then we enter into Nope and Signs territory, which are very like people are split on whether or not they're good movies. Um, And it's sort of like one of the things I feel about Shyamalan is that he had a lot of something to say out of the gate. and had a lot of like talent in the gun and then just kind of ran out. And I don't know that for me, Nope, this is me like hopefully not heralding the future, but I'm like, does Jordan Peele have enough in the tank to sustain what he came out of the gate with, or is he kind of out of ideas and he had one really great idea? Shyamalan, the big thing that went wrong with him is The Sixth Sense has such a great twist. Um, One of the, like, maybe two or three most famous twist endings of all time. It was so shocking. It was like, like, I remember when it came out, it's like, avoid spoilers at all costs, like, just go see it. And I didn't know the twist, and in the movie theater, jaw dropped. Like, I could not believe it. It was a magic trick. And then... What happened was he kind of became trapped with that. Unbreakable has a similar ending in the sense that it like, oh, what you thought you're watching is actually something different and everything's on its head. And then Signs kind of tries to have a twist. I don't even know if I'd say twist, just like more of a deus machina that's just like, okay, it's pretty horrible. But he, but Shyamalan always felt trapped by this twist. And I've been thinking with Jordan Peele, like, what is he trapped by? Like, what is this thing? Do you think it's, he has nothing to say, or do you think there's a reason that he keeps kind of like making these efforts that are good but sort of misfire? Well, so I I don't I don't feel like us is a misfire at all. I think us is great. So I think this is his first one that I would say feels like a misfire at all. He's he's come out and and said that like he's really only interested in directing films with a primary black cast, and he wants to like delve into that that culture and the black experience in America, and that's what he wants to talk about. And so, uh, for starters, the two of us white middle America people talking about Jordan film or Jordan Jordan Peele films, I think is uh, you know we have to address that elephant in the room to begin with of. Some of what's going on in in this film is outside of my life experience to maybe even address or understand out of out of the gate. So I know that that's something that he wants to address. But I do feel like he is maybe a little bit trapped by the idea of his films have to have this big, amazing, deeper meaning under the surface. Like 
Get right. Out was an incredible story on its face, and then a really, really strong metaphor for the inherent liberal racism that you know can exist within American culture and how that feels as a black person to walk through um, a liberal American society. And so it works really, really well on both levels. And I think he is somewhat trapped by can he do that magic trick every time of having a social commentary while telling an amazingly great suspense thriller story. Yeah, I think it's interesting because like I was writing down like this movie has so many ideas. I think that's part of what goes wrong is I'm like, we're going to talk about Whiplash in our next episode. And Whiplash is a movie that is laser focused into one idea. And it just spends, you know, 90 minutes essentially like exploring that idea from every possible angle. And you could write that idea down on a blackboard and just circle it. And it's like, we're going to go into this. Nope is this movie that just kind of keeps introducing like new themes and ideas. I read about a lot of reviews. I read different interviews with Peel, and he talked about our addiction to spectacle um, while also knowing that he had to create a spectacle itself. And that's what gets people to the movie theaters. And so that's on his mind. Um, I think the exploitation of children, animals, uh, you know, minorities, black people when it comes to like making films and uh, just exploiting people for entertainment i guess um particularly children and animals like that's most on the nose what it's about um it's also a lot about media capturing things for our own gain uh and what it means to capture and the tmz culture and tabloid culture it kind of has all these ideas like rumbling around in it it's like idea soup you know it just like throws these ideas out and then it doesn't quite like land them or pay them off or i'm i'm literally not sure what he's trying to say about any of these subjects yeah. and i th- i think f- for me s- sometimes i'm watching a movie and the story is so great at the end of it i go like oh is there a deeper meaning there like when we, when we talked about indiana jones i remember john boland on that episode he he says like does it have to be about anything else or is it just a great story right like are we are we doing a lot of work to try to dig under the skin of this thing and find like the bigger meaning of indiana jones or is it just a fun movie about a guy who's looking for treasure right and and so i think there's movies that you go in and you know you're watching that you're just watching a great story with fun characters and you're not necessarily delving the depths for a bigger meaning which we talked about some of those movies on this podcast, but a lot of times we try to talk about movies that have, you know, maybe they have something really on their mind. I think people walk into a Jordan Peele movie at this point saying, all right, what's on his mind right now? What's the what's the subtext? And so you're watching the story actively mining for subtext as an audience member. And I think that is troublesome. Well, and he's flagging it, dude. He's It's not like just like something we bring to it. He's introducing all these ideas. Sure. And he's kind of throwing in little like, subplots in it and different things like that that we'll get into or it's like okay this is another idea that i'm wrestling with and this is another theme that i'm talking about and i agree like we did an episode on terminator 2 and ultimately it's like (laughs) the meaning of that movie is awesome action movie there's a lot of other like themes and metaphors but really it's like hey you can just take it as an awesome action movie and that's it this is a movie that is begging you to wrestle with what it's trying to say um, and I love movies that are more open-ended. I don't want to be spoon-fed. I love art that kind of, a movie like No Country for Old Men, where it's like, okay, I can really watch that and try to figure out what it's trying to say. And it's like a carefully crafted piece of trying to decode something. But this doesn't seem like that. This seems just scattershot of ideas. And then like, maybe there's something in it and you can make any sort of argument. But I don't think the film itself 
is confident enough to try to say something deep or meaningful. Yeah. Well, let's dive into that then sort of piece piece by piece. Um, do you want to start off by just diving into what's your most meaningful character in the movie? There's several big ones. For me, it is Daniel Kaluuya. He is OJ and um, or Otis Jr. And what I love about his character and part of what like hooked me into it is he is the cowboy. Like this is a movie that's also very has westerns and cowboy films and the fact that like black culture has been erased from many westerns has been erased from many cowboy films and this is trying to like put its stamp on of like no black culture and black people were a very you know important part of western life were important should have been more of a part of cowboy films and this dude is John Wayne he is literally the strong silent type he is Clint Eastwood he's kind of a character that we don't see anymore most now we have like these marvelly characters who are wry and cracking jokes and kind of smiley and winking at the camera and this dude is just like, his first introduction is one of my favorite introductions of anything I saw in any film last year, where he is just standing on set and he can barely talk to the people on set. It's like, I deal with horses, I don't deal with people. Right. And his sister is his foil, who uh, talks with all the people, and he is just the strong, silent type. He is the cowboy in the background, and I just thought, that was such a great, meaningful character, and I was so interested in his journey. What what, what about his journey after that moment sort of drew you in? Because I agree. I think that opening scene where you, you see that he is basically incapable of communicating with other people um, and the problem that that is going to be for him. Um, how do you think that sort of evolved over the film? And did his journey have like a meaning to it for you? Well, I mean, I think that he has this like, I think the goal of what Peel is going for is this is a guy who's trying to salvage his father's legacy. Mm -hmm. This is a guy who's like, you know, the whole thrust behind this movie is his dad dies and he, you know, he's not his dad. And so all of a sudden he's about to lose his horse ranch. He's, you know, he's having to sell different horses off and he's having to do all that sort of stuff. And so it's like, all right, he's going to lose everything that matters most to him and he's got to find his own path and his own way forward. And so just seeing him learning, all right, I've got to be my own man. I've got to stick up for my family. I've got to stick up to this creature and I've got to figure it out. And just watching him go toe to toe with the alien, I thought was really interesting and really like breathtaking. Yeah. I, I think he is a really interesting character. I, I struggled with him a little bit because I found him so closed off and being being the protagonist, we've we, we've talked about this in movies before that like I really need to like be in love with the protagonist in order for me to stay connected to the movie. And his like I felt like his journey need, needed to be or what was set up for me from the beginning was that he needed to learn how to like overcome his inability to communicate with people and find a way into that world, which he, honestly he never does. And I found that sort of interesting. Um, he does, however. One of the things that I did find interesting is his connection to animals and the fact that he doesn't talk to people very well, but understands the animals around him because he is silent and just head down doing his his work. And he's learned about how horses, you know, interact with trainers and interact with him and one another is that he is able to f figure out the creature and survive. But I, I don't know that it ever led him to like full character growth because he never necessarily needed to overcome anything. It was just his weakness became his strength which to me is sort of a 
maybe not as strong of a character arc uh, for him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, again, I think this is why this movie is interesting to talk about to me, because the movies that we do, the movies that are worth talking about, the movies that last do have those really clear character arcs where it's like, okay, this is what I went through. This is my test. And this is how I came out on the other side. And stories, fundamentally, that's what they're supposed to do is teach us about change and transformation. I guess like most meaningful, like, (laughs) I don't know if there is a most meaningful character in this movie, (laughs) Um, but to me, he was the most interesting (laughs) because I'm like, okay, this is one of those part of when I say most meaningful, and this is just a thread of this episode is like, I just loved that character. And I agree with you. I wanted more from him, but I was leaning in. I was like, he is breathtaking as an actor I am like buying stock in his career. I'll watch anything he does. There was a lot of talk this year about Jonathan Majors, but I'm like, you know, Jonathan Majors is now, his life is in a mess. I don't know what's going to happen to him, but I'm like, you know, I want to see Daniel Kaluuya and I want to see him like, or Daniel Kaluuya. Did I mess it up again? I want to see Daniel Kaluuya. I want to see what's going to become of him. I think he's a future Oscar winner. I think he's, he actually has won an Oscar, you know, best did he yeah, win he won one? Best Supporting for um, the movie where he was uh, Black Panther. Uh, what was that movie called? Oh, Judas and the Black yeah, Messiah. Yeah, Judas and the Black Messiah. He won the Oscar for that. He got up on stage and in oh. his Oscar speech uh, talked about how his uh, parents had sex and then he was born and now he has an Oscar. <laughs> with with his <laughs> mom awful. in the audience. I forgot he won an Oscar yeah. for that. Which, that movie is phenomenal, by the way, um, if you haven't seen yeah. it. And... Everything I've ever seen him in, I just think he is like, I mean, he's got this Denzel, he's got like this Brad Pitt, he's got this just like electric, you can't take your eyes off him because he has just such, even if he's just sitting there silently, it's like I am watching him. It's like the camera loves him and his energy and his presence. And so again, for me, and, and frankly, the way Jordan Peele shot him against these like bright desert scenes and these dark night scenes and just like... I just thought, I don't know, this guy's a star, man. And uh, it was a great part that ultimately didn't pay off. But the potential was right, there. I agree. And I think the the other sort of mic drop for Daniel Kaluuya in this is that, like, I think he shines the most when he's almost like manic and like has really, really intense energy. Uh, you, you see that in uh, Judas and the Black Messiah and the, the character that he plays there and even a little bit in in Get Out and um, his character in um, uh, Black Panther has a lot more sort of um, excitable energy to him. And he was the complete opposite of, of that, which I think surprised me. I was like, this isn't the Daniel Kaluuya that I know. This is someone totally different. But you're right. In his silence, he was still totally controlling the frame and your attention. And that that really speaks to his strength as an actor, that he doesn't necessarily need to be the charismatic, manic personality on screen in order to win you over he's got a bigger range than that so yeah i'm i've i've got i've got all that stock in there too i'd, I'd love to see where, where where he goes do you have any other characters you want to talk about for most meaningful? so i think my most meaningful character is gonna be jupe uh played by steven yoon mm. and he's the most meaningful not because i understand what his story was supposed to be about but because i think i was supposed to understand what his story was about i think he is supposed to be this really impactful impact character that is kind of crafting the like his subplot is supposed to kind of like paint the picture of what this film is about. And I don't know that it does. But every time he was on screen, I was like leaning in being like, OK, what 
are you telling me about this premise? Um, and I think it is through his subplot that the film gets the messiest. Um, so I think I think for me, he has meaning in that way, because I think he's supposed to be this huge impact character that for me, I simply after two watchings still don't have a really solid read on. I have a lot of things I can throw against the wall, but I'm not sure that any of them really stick. So you you said earlier, hey, this film I watched once and then I was good to like never talk about or think about yeah. again. I think the reason that I'm like, no, there was something here. There's this scene early on with him when they go and visit him and they, he has all this memorabilia of him as a child star. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, you were there with the Gordy. I forget what that Gordy's home uh, show was called Gordy's home. But yeah. Oh, you were Gordy's home and you were the kid from it. And he's they're like, what happened anyway? And he starts recounting the story, but he recounts the story through SNL early 2000s characters, Chris Kattan and. Uh, I think maybe Will Ferrell or I forget who all, but I remember specifically like Chris Kattan, who's kind of this forgotten Saturday Night Live cast member. But I remember him really well. If you watch those years in the 2000s, like he was the star and he was just like that whole thing, like told the story so well. And so he's talking about the Saturday Night Live episode and then mid speech, they cut back to him as a child, like underneath the table, like looking at Gordy covered in blood. And then it cuts back to him. And I was like. This is such an interesting look at trauma and the way that we like if you've been through something traumatic, especially if you're famous or if it's kind of become part of your story, you have the public story that you tell everyone and you have this kind of public face that you go on it. But then there's this much more private raw one that you live deep inside. And that whole sequence like showed that to me really interestingly. And I was like leaning into it as like, this is smart. This is interesting. I haven't th seen anything quite like this. Yeah. And I think to me, that was the thing that pointed me towards what I felt like the movie was trying to get at the most. So I'm going to drop my meaning of the movie here uh, in the in the podcast. And I think this movie is really interested in the idea of how Hollywood and the entertainment industry exploits everything and everyone, yeah. um, especially those who don't have the voices to stand up for themselves. So like you said, at the top of this, children, animals, and oftentimes minorities, um, and how people are, are willing to sort of do whatever for the last scraps at the table just to, just to sort of be in it. Um, and I think that story of like Gordy and how one day he just had enough and snapped and destroyed everything um is maybe the most clear um picture of that idea of exploitation um and uh what that looks like and then the idea that this kid who went through all that then turns around and basically exploits his childhood career as an adult he's basically exploiting himself in his own theme park right um and then turns around and, and tries to exploit sinful? a new animal that ends up doing the thing to him that the monkey didn't. Like, there, there is this idea of this continuous cycle of exploitation that I think is really delved into the most through his storyline. I mean, I agree. I think that is the meaning of the movie, or I think that's the meaning that Peel's going for. Um, and I think, like, I'm tracking with it. Like, my most meaningful scene is that scene where he's in the park and they're seeing, you're seeing all the different people, you're seeing all the different shots, the colorful things. You see the like 
that girl's scarf like blow away and then her face is like eaten up. Was that was she from the um show Gordy's Home? That girl who had her face like yeah. So so what, I think what he's alluding to there is th- is that she was the um basically like he there was like a little girl on the show that played like his stepsister yeah. or something, and I think he's saying that that is her. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, but and it so doesn't really connect because you never see her attacked by the monkey, which maybe is good because maybe I don't need to see an eight-year-old girl's face eaten off by a monkey. Maybe that was a good move. Um, but like, the, the, yeah, the, I mean, I'm fine with that because they because they clearly showed there was a lot of carnage going yeah. on, and they showed both the parents, you know, getting killed essentially. But even before that, they showed a lot of carnage. So I'm like, I'm kind of great with some of that mystery. I think that's the type of mystery that should be. And shows and should be there. But anyway, that whole sequence where he's like lining it up in the theme park and then there's kind of these like half-hearted applauses and then he like shows the the creature and then it actually like sucks people up. And then you actually like the freakiest part of this movie. It's not that scary, but there are a few really frightening parts. And I think the most scary part is you're like actually inside the alien. Like and it feels like this really claustrophobic bounce house from hell and you're hearing the screams and you're seeing it and it is so disturbing what happens there and so that whole sequence I was like um I don't know if meaningful is the right word but I was definitely just leaning in like what is happening this is incredible yeah yeah and like even even the monster itself to me feels like Am I missing something on what this alien is supposed to represent? Because basically it's a flying saucer that turns into a giant hot air balloon that eats people in your your description of being inside like the belly of the beast, feeling like you're inside like a like a bouncy house is exactly what it feels like. Like it feels like you're in like a hot air balloon or a bouncy house from hell and just and Nothing actually visual on the frame is actually that scary. It's all the noises you're hearing as these people are like basically being drawn up this bouncy house canal. Yeah, because normally you just like the scream is the screams that you hear in a movie are all before the killer strikes. And this these screams are after all the people are doomed. And I thought that was frightening. And I what I couldn't decide that I wanted to process with you is like. Who are the sinners in this movie? Mm-hmm. Like normally like Blake Snyder yep. has like the you know monster in the house and so like in Jaws the mayor is the sinner. The the shark is attacking the beach and then the mayor says no, let's open it back up because it's 4th of July weekend and because of that um the people are killed and he's clearly the sinner. And the haunted house movie, normally it's like okay, we know we're supposed to leave the haunted house, but the dad or the mom or someone makes the decision of like yeah, but we can't afford a new place, let's just stay anyway. And there's some sort of sin. And I was really curious of, like, who were the sinners? Were the people in the amusement park? Was Steven Young? Like, like, what? Like, I don't know. Was OJ the sinner? Like, who are the sinners in this film? If, I mean, and I think that's where it gets muddy, and that's why it's a little bit hard. I mean, I would say it's the people who are exploiting others. And, it, I mean, everyone sort of is, but I would say you know, uh, Jupe's whole deal there. I mean, he's 
buying the horses off of OJ in order to feed them to the monsters. So he's like exploiting those animals and exploiting his own career. And like, it's, it's interesting for how traumatized he was as a kid, how much they show that and how much they focus on this seemingly completely separate event. Um, how he turns out to not be have any real arc or any kind of a, a hero, which I was sort of expecting him to be. But I would say that, that that is his sin is that level of sort of exploitation. And I think we see um, through OJ that OJ at least has a respect for the alien. He sees it in the same way that he sees the horses, which is that he has Respect right. for them. At, at the very beginning of the movie, the accident happens on the, on the film set because he's like, hey, the horse needs a break, right? Like, it's right. it's it has this much of a tension span. It gets nervous with these kind of things. Like, you know, it needs a break. And all of the other people on set are like, oh, no, we're just, we're just going to get a take. Don't worry about it. Just like, you know, hang on to the horse and let him sit there. And, you know, we, we have... We have to get a take. The actress is ready. You know, the actress is great. She's ready to go. So let's like, you know, let's roll it. And um, he's the only one there who's like, hey, like we have to respect the horse's boundaries. Basically, horse needs a break. Horse ends up kicking people. Um, And so I think he doesn't have the sin and is able to survive because he does, in fact, respect the thing. And he shows that by not looking it in the eye. And he seeks to understand it. Although it's it's so weird to me how he figures that out. I think it's one of those like movie making things where it like flashes back to that scene with the eyeball. And then he's like, Oh, I should not look up. And then he looks down and we're supposed to know he figures it out somehow. I found it like incredibly cheap and cheating that he figures out to look down and that like, it was like a movie trope thing yeah. that when I thought about it, I was like, this makes no sense. Yeah. Whatsoever. It felt a little cheap to, to me too. What, what is it that he remembers? What's his, his memory that reminds him to not look it in the eye. When the horse looks in that mirror ball thing, when it flips around and then the horse looks back at itself and then it kicks, like he flashes back to that moment. And then that's what makes him think like, oh, I should look down. Yeah, that's true. And, and that's what and, motivates And he also him. tells the, the people on set, like, don't look the horse in the eye. Like, It'll feel threatened, basically. It, it, it felt very Jurassic Park to me, <laughs> which not a bad movie to be compared well, to. No, and like he was going for like Jurassic Park. He was going, you know, like these Spielberg was definitely on his mind. And as you know, Spielberg's my guy. And so I'm like, oh, this is cool because he's not he's not copying Spielberg. This does not feel like a Spielberg film. But there are certain things that are like, OK, people looking up in the sky in Spielberg, it's like a sense of wonder, and this, it's like a sense of horror. That's in, that is really I- interesting of how they in, in, invert that idea of something that should be wondrous is actually terrifying. And honestly, like the the aliens' final like hot air balloon form is actually quite wondrous. Like it's almost beautiful, right? Yeah, and is. and also, why does it turn into that? I felt like it was supposed to have some kind of meaning to me. I remember the first time I saw it, and I was like, oh, it's not a flying saucer anymore. It's a weird hot air balloon. A spaceship balloon animal. Uh, I'm supposed to get something out of this, and I remember sitting there in the theater, being like, "I don't, I, what? I don't get anything out of this." <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it's happening. I don't know what it means. I, I want to get to that in okay. a moment, but like, do you have any other like least meaningful scene that you want to talk about? Like, before I kind of tee off on least meaningful scene. So I think my least meaningful scene probably is. Um, maybe my favorite scene in the movie from a horror perspective. I think the least meaningful scene is probably the one where he goes into the uh, um, the corral because all the lights are on and the little alien kids are in there. Yes. Um, that yes. like it ends up being this weird thing of like, oh, the kids down the street are like screwing with us or whatever. It's just like but it, it to me, that was the scariest scene in the entire movie 
because of how it's okay. shot. If you're looking down into the dark, you're waiting for something to come out from behind the corner. And I, I, I remember like watching it and being like, is that dark shadow form a thing or is it a box? And I can't tell. I'm just staring at it. And then suddenly it stands up and it, it felt like. You know, when you w- wake up in the middle of the night and your hoodie's hanging in the corner and you think it's a man standing there. Like, I remember in yes. in in the theater being like having the exact same reaction, which was like, nope. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's another one of those scenes that show, like, like I said before, how talented Peel yeah. is, uh, how talented, you know, the cinematography, the mood, the score. It's like everything is working together in this movie. Like this movie should be great. This right. movie should have been on my top five films of the year. And that scene is more. Uh, proof of it i was terrified in that scene and i was like it feels true i agree of like if you've ever woken up in the middle of the night and you've seen something and you're like ah someone's in my house no you're being stupid and that like you can hear his internal yep. dialogue as he's sitting there and that i think that's so yeah good. what so what is your like least least meaningful scene or like where does the f- film fall apart for you so for me, like, I would defend this film. We would probably be debating about it, and I would say, no, you're wrong. This is a really great film. All the way after, like, the alien goes, eats the people up, spits them out in the house. I mean, it's really gross and foul, yeah. but it's really interesting. Yeah. I think there's a lot of thematic things that are going on there. But the movie is called Nope. And the reason the movie is called Nope is because of the idea of, like, this may be too, I don't know, broad or obvious, but, like, in most horror movies, the white people do something really stupid. Like, they run back into the house. They run upstairs. They go after the monster when it's so clearly, when it's so clear they should not be right. doing it. And what's part of, like, the fun and funniness of this title is these characters are like, nope. <laughs> like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go after this monster. Yep. I'm not going to keep running. I'm not going to do the stupid thing. Like, that's part of the fun of what the title is. And so they escape from this whole horrific ordeal like like that blood scene and that sort of stuff is so horrific and then they go and have a fish sandwich and they're like okay we can capture this and we can go right back home and do it and i think to me that gets back to kind of like the character motivations of of everything i feel like the main character motivations for our like core family was this idea of not being marginalized right the idea that and it gets back to this idea of like family legacy and a feeling like that should be super important but then it like kind of didn't it felt completely sidelined by the end of the movie i think that's where it falls apart for me because their motivation wasn't this like western we're gonna defend our land this is our father's farm we've got to save it the motivation was we can capture this thing on film and make some coin and but like, but eh. making the <laughs> you know, money was then was to save the farm. It was a it was a little goonies in, in in that. But I feel like that gets yes, lost. That's actually a good example. <laughs> I feel like that gets lost a little bit in Kiki Palmer's character, um, because it seems like she doesn't want to have any. Like her thing is she's trying to break away from the family business a little bit, right. and so her motivation within that really is just to get famous through it. And because she's the stronger presence. I think that starts to kind of carry the day when it seems like the idea of the family coming together and even them coming together around their family legacy by the end when she gets the picture, but then he survives. Like there is this idea of the the culmination of their character arcs is coming together as a family. But like how and how does the picture actually get them there? Like, ah, 
I had so many questions in the last third act of this. Let's talk about them. One, I was wondering, okay, one question was this, like, why does this guy hang out in Aguadulce? Like, I've actually been there. I've driven, like, Sarah and I, my wife and I used to drive through Aguadulce all the time. It is in, like, the sticks of, like, north, you know, kind of east of L.A., and it's just out there. And I'm like, why does this creature, like, kind of keep coming back there and feeding there? Did not make sense to me. So they they had an answer for that within the movie logic. It wasn't there until Steven Yoon's like sideshow thing showed up and that that brought the creature because it brought the like something to feed on. But it seemed like it was feeding on horses. So maybe it was there to feed on the farm. Like I'm not I'm not completely sure they did. They didn't really answer it to me. That didn't necessarily matter. Why is Godzilla where Godzilla is? He, He needs to be there for the movie. Like, that was a question I don't know that I had. For me, I'm like, it goes, it eats the people, and then it moves on. Like, if it needs to feed again, because their whole plot is based on that. Like, well, it's got to feed in another day or two. But I'm like, there's no one really left there. Like, if it needs to feed again, wouldn't it go somewhere else? Like, it is a big flying saucer, and it can go everywhere. So that was just the beginning. That's fine. I truly didn't understand what their plan was to defeat it. Uh Like, how they actually thought they were going to battle this thing. Like, I was like, okay... We're going to go and like, I mean, they did the thing where like the electricity didn't work. And so they get the DP with like the kind of old time, this is a podcast so you can't see it, but I'm like rolling my hands like a, you know, 1920s camera. It's like when you're playing charades and you do, this is a film. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. This this is still like universal, you know, sign for film. And so, yeah, he's, he's like filming with that, but somehow they're going to like, lure it out and then get a photo of it and then like feed it like a hot air balloon like animal or sorry cowboy thing and that's what's going to kill it like i just didn't understand like what their plan was to actually defeat so it. i don't think they were ever um, trying to defeat it i think they were trying to get a picture of it in order to like to be basically to be the first ones to get the great shot so that they got the the credit uh Okay, and then I didn't know why he, like um, OJ had eyeballs on the back of his sweater when he's riding that horse, <laughs> like through the so field. It, it's do you know why that yeah, is? Yeah, it's it, it's because if he's looking at the monster, if if you look at the alien, right, it, it'll attack you. That's the whole thing. When he was like looking at the dirt, the it, it's <laughs> it's like the lamb on the lamb's blood on the doorpost for for Passover, right? If you if you uh, look at the alien, it'll eat you. If you gaze up at the sky, it'll eat you. If you have respect for it and stare at the dirt and don't look at it, it won't. So he's trying to ride away. He he knows he needs to ride away, but he needs to like like a like a monarch butterfly. He needs to have eyes on the back of the uh, his head in order to tell the thing to chase him because he's quote looking at it now. So is this just the stupidest alien like in movie history where it's like, hey, I fall for eyeballs in the back of sweaters and I eat you know, plastic horses because I don't know any better. Like, I just, how did this alien make it so far to get to, like, our galaxy when it seems, like, so inept and idiotic? Well, I think what they're saying is it's not sentient in the way that we're sentient, but more sentient in the way that an animal is, which is it's working off of, like, instincts, right? So, like, a a horse behaves the way a horse does because of instinct and it's just, you know, natural... demeanor like we're smarter than a horse right that's why we can train it 
Um, but it still has thought processes and, and needs and, and such. And so that's how OJ learns how to deal with the alien thing is because he starts thinking about it like an animal, like a horse that is going to follow certain behavior patterns. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think like that's definitely his superpower is he understands animal psychology and he treats it like that. Um, and then it all kind of culminates with her going to this well that has a Polaroid <laughs> camera inside it. With, like, an old-fashioned crank, and the alien perfectly, like, just hovers exactly over the lens of that well for, like, five minutes as she continues to take pictures of it, and that's what gives her the perfect photo. That's kind of the big payoff of this movie, that that's when it really did feel like an M. Night sort of thing of, like, what are we doing here? Like, how is this the payoff of this film? Yeah, I mean... It, it was the thing of like, are they going to get the picture? Because it seems like the money shot that the cinematography got was like potentially destroyed when the thing came over there and sucked everything up. Oh, it was definitely destroyed. Yeah, it was gone. Um, So part of this was like, after all of this chaos, like you sort of want them to achieve their goal and get the money shot, right? Like if you're on board with these characters at all, you want them to achieve their goal. So, um... So, yeah, I think it's 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 that like in the in, in, in the in the hardest, most luck fueled way possible. Can she through sheer determination at the exact right time, you know, like do get the literally impossible shot using not even good technology. And then, you know, through sheer determination, question mark, she does. And mostly just a fistful of luck. It was just one of those things that I was like, OK, this makes no sense. And this is just unraveling. I was like, this is supposed to be epic and heroic and it's just complete garbage nonsense and i think part of what like upset me about this movie and what i was thinking about watching it is like should there be someone around to tell jordan peele "Mm, let's try something else for the heroic ending of this movie like like is he too you know you know similar to m night who just it seems like no one will tell that guy no and same with jordan peele and maybe a lot of other filmmakers who get too good like Stephen King is one of my favorite authors in the world, but there are certain books of his that go on 300 pages too long that I'm like, okay, someone should have just said, hey, Steve, we're going to cut some of this out because it's just too long and too meandering. I thought the same thing with this Jordan Peele moment. I was like, okay, this is not heroic. This is not cool. This is not interesting. It's just kind of dumb. And a movie that, again, I wanted to love that just (laughs) the third act just fell on its face so hard. And it just made me like upset, and, I, and it's part of one one to process it, I, right? And I feel like to me that's why I was saying that like Stephen Yoon's Jupe character to me is like the most meaningful character to me that had very little meaning, um, because going back to like the ranch at like the the dude ranch, Stephen Yoon's like you know whatever they called it, his little theme park at the end, and having the final showdown there was like okay, there's like meaning to this being the like central point of tension or this being the like inmost cave right is this theme park this you know temple to exploitation of a childhood role or where they were feeding horses to the animal or where like i don't know right but like that that subplot was such an important like the very first shot of the movie is the gordy's home stephen yoon's character carnage right they're saying that this 
B plot is in fact not the B plot, but like the driving uh, touchstone of the film, not the family, not the horse ranch, not saving the farm. It's this other thing. And I couldn't just I couldn't figure out why it was that much more important. Like, I almost wish it didn't exist and we could have just spent all the time on the farm talking about this family and their legacy and their exploitation and them being pushed aside. And the idea of like their great, 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 great grandfather being the first person ever to appear on film and yet they're being um, you know, ostracized and uh, pushed out of the industry, right? Like, that's so much, like, let's just live there. Let's have that movie. I don't know what's happening with this whole, it's not even a subplot, it's like a third of the movie of Stephen Yoon, Gordy's home, but that thing isn't even Gordy's home, it's his other previous, like, childhood thing of, like, young sheriff boy that we don't even see. So I'm like, ah, what is happening over here? It's like it's It's like a different movie. But I mean, I disagree because I'm like all the stuff with Gordy's home, like that flashback is one of the most frightening things I've seen in a it's long great. time of like the monkey there and the shot and cutting to the kid and like the filmmaking and all that. I was like, this is breathtaking. This is why I was like, OK, there is something here. This dude is so g- the reason I'm I hate like just crapping on this movie for an hour. I'm not really trying to do it. I just want to talk about something that we don't normally talk about in this podcast, which is. One, how hard it is to make a great movie. And two, just this guy is so talented and this stuff is so interesting and he just can't pull it all together. And I felt the opposite. I was like, no, I think that B plot actually gave it more shape. And he didn't really know what he wanted to do with his main protagonist. I think his B plot, he knew what the story was. I do think like that story tracks to me of like, okay, I had this childhood trauma. I saw the worst thing ever. I repressed it. I pushed it down. I tried to make um, kind of like Comic-Con, those people who go to all the Comic-Con conventions. I kind of became one of those people who lived off my own name and my own reputation and exploited my own childhood because that's what it yeah. takes and then began exploiting other people as well. Like that thread and through line all the way through, I'm like, I see it. I can preach that movie. I know what they're totally. going for. Where like the, the main storyline, I'm like, I don't, and, and I, don't, I think like I see a good setup and not. A payoff I, and I think that's it. that's that's what I'm saying is like, I feel like I can track with that, but I don't I don't emotionally. I was never tying those two movies together. I think that's what I'm saying is it feels like a separate yeah. movie. And because it's the B plot and not the A plot, like uh, you're right, it is super compelling. The all of the monkey stuff is some of the best scenes in the movie. We started talking about this because we're talking about the like picture being from the weird hand crank well camera. Um, and it's like, I, I think thematically he was like, I have to bring these things together. All of these elements were all here for a reason. Denouement where everything coalesces. Uh, oh, this is why this was all here. This is the meaning of it all. But I just like, I, I never fully stitched Stephen Yoon's plot and OJ and his sister's plot fully together. Like, yeah, because I think what's so confusing is like they weren't exploiting anyone. Like there was no real like once Stephen Yoon was gone, there was no exploitation that happened unless it was a crime for them to try to capture this guy on film like or this alien on film. Unless he was like, ah, they shouldn't have done that. They actually became the villains. Yeah. But I don't think that's what they were trying to say. I think the end of the movie is very heroic and they're showing the dust settle and he's sitting on the he's sitting on the horse all heroic and she's like yeah and it's like this really emotional triumph and so i think we're supposed to be like they defeated something evil i mean i don't know again like 
<laughs> to to me, it was. We've talked an hour, and I'm like, meaning of the movie? Question mark. Like, I still don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, if we, if we want to talk about the meaning of that moment of like that final moment of the movie where he's sitting there on the horse and like the dust clears and she's like, yeah, like that is almost like this a a similar shot even from like the end of Django Unchained, right? Where you've got Django on the horse and the love of his life walks out of the house and you, you, you know, and is like looking at, Oh no, it, that's the other way around. She's on the horse and he walks out of the house. Regardless, it's this kind of like two people in, in, in love in a Western. And that's not what this is because they're siblings, but it's this like relational like moment of two people being heroic. One of them's on a horse victory moment and setting that against this backdrop of not like a love story, but of a sibling relationship. To me, that final moment was like, okay, they have gotten over their differences and they defeated something together. You can see from the very first scene of them together, they can't really work together without their dad. Yeah. I think that's really well said of like, that's what that moment's supposed to be. And like, if I would have tracked with other stuff, it would have worked. But again, like, I just think this is one of those things where this movie is so crammed full of ideas, but it's more crammed full of ideas than it is execution. And I think Us suffers from this as well, where like if you start really picking apart Us, which is another movie that I really, really like, and I think it's a much more superior film yeah. to this, but there's still things where it's like, uh, <laughs> how did the logic of this world work? Yeah. And <laughs> what's going on here? And what's this actually trying to say? And I think that's my fear with Jordan Pill. And... <sighs> I'm rooting for this guy, man, and I'm rooting for him to make original movies. Like, I'm so excited that this is not based on IP. Totally. It's not based on something else. It's like, this is a fresh original take. This was one of my, like, most anticipated movies of last year, where I was like, okay, this is a fresh filmmaker, and I'm in. Like, I'm still, my headline from this is, like, I'll go see any movie he makes because I think he's so talented. I do think he's smart. He has a lot to say. It's so, I mean, we haven't even talked about him as a comedian, which is, like, He's one of the, this would be like Jim Carrey, you know, making these sort of films. Like he is so funny and was just such a goofy, funny comedian who now is becoming Hitchcock. Like it's a really cool career that I'm just so rooting for. Um, and I think that's why I'm so passionate about this movie and why I get like upset about it as well. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I think, I think uh, like I'm, I'm a big fan of Jordan Peele too. I, th- I, I hope he continues to make great stuff. Like I said at the beginning, I really hope that this is like a miss and not a heralding of things to come. <laughs> Do you think he thinks it's a miss? I, I don't know. <laughs> why would you, why, why would you ask? Why do you think that? I mean, for me, it's so clearly yeah. a miss, but like, I wonder if he's like, no, like <laughs> I executed it all. I did it. I made this awesome movie. Like people, it's either like you get it or you don't. And if you don't get it, it's on you. Um, Which, and maybe he'll listen to this podcast and be really upset at me. And if so, I'm sorry, Mr. Peel, like I'm a fan, um, but you're not, a, you didn't hit it in this one. And so the, the thing I think I would, I would say to that is it is, it is possible as I sort of touched on in the beginning of the podcast that there may be pieces in this and subtext in this and the way that this is made that is talking about a life experience that I don't have, right? Not being a minority, there that when you and I are saying that certain plot lines just aren't necessarily connecting uh, for us, it could very well be that s- some of these things are 
because of a life experience that like we don't necessarily have, and it might track for an entirely different group of people um, in in a way that is more resonant. Um, and I would be really interested in hearing about that from someone who does love this movie and it did really connect with uh, w- with them because I, I think there is um, the strong possibility that it's just talking about th- themes and life experience that I don't have. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to get emails and comments of like, you guys missed it, you don't understand. Um, and I'm open to that. I think that's why it's fun to talk about these movies sometimes that you connect with and occasionally ones that you disagree with and hear from other people who love it. And that's what's fun about having a podcast and debating. Absolutely. Um, we're getting near the end of the episode. Do you have any final thoughts? Anything else you want to say? Closing argument on the meaning of this movie? Yeah, I think this this movie has a ton on its mind, and I think it's it's a it's just a mashed potato of a movie about exploitation and family legacy and um, our relationship with the media and uh, you know fear and interpersonal relationships. And I think it has a billion things to say, and it needed to focus a little bit more on one of them. <laughs> but I think it has a ton on its mind, and I think we talked about all of those things. Um, and I don't know that it ever lands firmly in any specific camp, and I certainly wish it had. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think Agreed. that's that's my final thing about this movie is it's it's a it's a giant casserole of a bunch of ideas that never fully form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree with that. Do you have Do you have any uh, any final thoughts? So I want to end this podcast with a list. Um, haven't done a list <sighs> in a while, and so let's go. I think this movie lands on my great films that fall apart in the ending cat okay. list. Okay. And so I made a list of my great films that fall okay. apart. And here are those films. This is probably the most controversial one on the list is this movie called The Game. It's a David Fincher oh, film yeah. that I think is incredible. And then the ending just kind of undercuts the whole thing. And so that's all I'll say to avoid okay. spoilers. Michael Douglas um, movie, right? My next, it is a Michael Douglas yep. movie. David Fincher, Michael Douglas. I think Sean Penn's in it. Great movie. That just kind of unravels. Maybe my number one in this category is this movie called Identity. Did you ever see I Identity? I love Identity. John Cusack. I love that movie, and I love I, the ending. What is wrong with you? I, I love Identity, and the ending, for whatever reason, just like undercuts it. Maybe we could do a whole we podcast We should do a whole podcast on Identity, on Identity because I love Identity, and I love the ending. I think it is... Uh, fun and original and smart. So uh, I uh, disagree with that point on your list. Okay. Next on my list is Don't Worry Darling, <laughs> a movie that came out in this last year that I think, um, again, similarly, like beautifully shot, lots going on there, and just by the end kind of unravels and undercuts everything that came before Yeah, just it. Too, too big of a swing without really knowing where they were going. And the last one on the list is actually, I'm making a Mount Rushmore <laughs> of movies that are great and fall apart at the ending with aliens in the movie. <laughs> okay. So that's my category. Movies that are great that fall apart in the ending with aliens. You ready what's on the Mount Rushmore? Yeah, let's that? do it. Okay. War of the Worlds. Great movie. Spielberg. Unravels in the third sure. act. Just dumpster sure. fire. Uh, we talked. We talked about another one, Signs. Uh-huh. Dude, that movie is awesome. The set pieces, it's the way it's shot, the performances, it's got everything working for it. I think it may be his second best film, but the ending falls so right. flat that it just kind of spoils everything that comes before yep. it. The third one is my guy, J.J. Abrams, has this film called Super What? 8. I love Super it's 8! It's kind of the Brit... 
it is the bridge between uh Stranger Things and kind of Spielberg films. I think that movie is so fun. I think it's so great and energetic. And I think the last 10 minutes just kind of unravels into a big question mark where it's like, what? <laughs> and then the fourth one is no. <laughs> and so I think all four of those films, and I hate, I mean, I love Super 8 too. I hate to bash it. Um, that could be another podcast, but I do think the end of that movie is like, wait, what's happening here? And Nope does the same thing. And I think War of the Worlds, Signs, Super 8, and Nope are my great movies that fall apart by the ending starring Aliens. I love that list, even though I disagree with you about Super 8. And what I also love is that we just got two new podcast episodes queued up for us with Identity and Super 8, where I will be the one saying that the film is awesome and you may disagree, and I won't be the one saying that a great film is bad. So I am looking forward to those episodes with bated breath. (laughs) Okay. Everyone else, you can look forward to future episodes. Andrew, it's been so good to have you back. Oh, I'm today, so glad man. to be back doing this again. I'm excited to jump on and keep talking about more more movies and seeing what keeps coming down the pike. Yep, we have Whiplash coming up, and so watch that. That's your homework. Until then, we'll see you next time on The Meaning of the Movie. Not bad. Not bad.